I don't care. Yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. It's November 3rd, 2020. 11, 2020. And all the jokes surrounding it. Hey. And election day is today. Today is election day. And uh, Grandma's excited about that. She voted straight Democrat. I want you to know that. I did not. (laughs) Anyway, um, hey, this podcast is going to be a little different. We're going to go back in time. Our last one was Dixie Valley number two. We're going to go back to uh, Dana's grandma's childhood. She's going to... Grandpa, I uh, I wrote mine up in our history. I haven't done a podcast, but mine's been done. And so she has gone through some work and has some notes here and journals and stuff. And I think it's be it'll be interesting for us to hear about her... Uh, first 18 years. We've heard stories here and there. This will be fascinating. You ready? Ready. Okay, we probably won't get all 18 years, but in um, 2007, yes, that long ago, I started my personal history. It looks like I made a good attempt one day and never went back to it. So I'm actually, and this is all out of order, I apologize but that just goes with my personality, out of order. So uh, I'm actually going to read from what I wrote. And then last year, Jalinda gave me, Jalinda and her family gave me a little book called My Mom. And it asks a bunch of questions. That's been really helpful. So I'll kind of go through that. If I repeat something, I apologize. Okay, this is what I can remember. And... Um, Okay, hold that. Yeah. Um, I was born on June 20th, 1953, and was named Dana Lynn Nordfeld. And for those of my younger grandchildren, Dana is spelled with one N. Lynn is spelled with one N. And my parents normally would have probably put two N's in Dana, maybe even two N's on Lynn. But because my last name was Nordfeld, they thought that was a whole lot of ends. So, therefore, 99.9% of the time, I correct people and tell them my name is Dana and not Dana. I'm the sixth child of Charles Jr., N- Larson Nordfeld, and his birthday is October 23rd, 1920, and he was born in Salina, Utah. And at a later date, I'll explain, uh, hopefully, the, the reason behind the Larson Nordfeld. It's quite interesting. My mom's name was Ellen Frances Tolbo, spelled T-O-L-B-O-E, Nordfeld. Um, by the way, for those younger ones, Nordfeld is spelled N-O-R-D-F-E-L-T. Um, and she was born in December 1920, December 8th, in Redmond, Utah. And Salina and Redmond are about three miles apart. And they're in central Utah? Mm-hmm. Central Utah, tiny towns. Okay, I have three sisters and three brothers. Bonnie Lou, Dennis Jr., uh, Craig Charles, Kurt Lee, oh my, 
No, currently A, I think. Amos. I think A, but it's just the initial A, but I'm going to have to check on that. Monine Ellen, uh, and that's an interesting story because then I was born, and oh, Monine is spelled M-O, capital N-E-N-E, and it's one word. Then me, Dana Lynn, and then Sue Ellen, spelled S-U, capital E-L-L-E-N. Um, Monine did not know she had a middle name until she went to get her driver's license at 16 and saw it was Monine Ellen. Uh, Dad had always wanted to name somebody after Ellen, and Mother wouldn't let him, and so I guess he just put it in there. And then they found Sue Ellen. Sounds like him. So we have two Ellens. Uh, And I was born in Salina. I don't know if I said that or not. At the time I was born, my dad was building a dairy freeze. And dairy freeze, I'm such a terrible speller that if anybody reads this, I don't want you to think I spelled freeze wrong. Dairy freeze was spelled, or freeze was spelled with no E on the end. F-R-E-E-Z. And it was a chain, a pretty good chain at that time. So that would have been 1953. Uh, Anyway, my my dad was building a dairy freeze for a man in Salina who had a large family. And he told my dad he was building this business to raise his family and teach them how to work and have responsibility. By the way, those who have been to Parowan have seen a dairy freeze. (laughs) Yeah, we we don't want to talk about Parowan story. But... That um, that dairy freeze is actually still on the main street in Salina, um, built just like Dad, Grandpa, my dad built it. Uh, it is not a dairy freeze, however. We saw it. Uh, yeah, just, just the other day, a couple of weeks ago, huh? Yeah, a week ago. Anyway, so by the time Dad finished the building, he was convinced that's what he wanted to do for his large family, and. My dad and my grandpa and my uncle D were all carpenters, and they built, oh, all the old homes around Salina were built by the Nordfelts. And um, and dad also built our home in Moab and, of course, built the dairy freeze. Anyway, they looked for a small town around Salina. They didn't want to go too far away. And that's when they found um, the town in Moab. Plus, their really good friends, Nyla and Glenn Carlson, lived in Moab. And he was the manager of the First Security Bank. And he told my dad that he would give him a loan to build the dairy freeze and his house. Glenn Carlson is Aunt Glenda's dad. I was getting there. Oh, sorry. Um, Okay. All right, um, so we packed up and we moved to Moab, and I was nine months old. Um, so Sue Ellen was the only one born in Moab. The rest of us were all born in Salina. Um, anyway, the, the dairy freeze in Moab was on the main street, but also shortly after that, Moab began to take off, and so they changed the main street. I don't know how to explain that. It, they took it straight through town instead of curving and going up and around. And so that took our dairy freeze off the main street. 
At the time it was built, it was built across the street from the only school. That school ended up being a junior high and instead uh, of the high school, instead right? of the high school and junior high. Oh yeah. And um, but there was a, a baseball diamond right across the street from the the Dairy Freeze, and baseball was big in Moab, and so that kept us going uh, through the summer months, and then the junior high kept us going through the. Uh, winter, plus the fact that my mom and dad were so nice and let people get food all the time and charge it. And, and people knew your family a lot, and so people would just come there who yeah, knew you. Who there knew. were a lot of people who knew you. Yeah. Um, and as dad said, um, Glenn Carlson's daughter, Glenda, um, is my sister in law. Uncle Dennis married her. Um, the dairy freeze was so much a part of my life, and I really do know that uh, Grandpa, my dad, was inspired to build it. I th- and I'm reading this, by the way, now. I feel like it was the exception. I feel like it was, with the exception of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift my parents gave me. It taught me a lot of responsibility, the value of hard work how to work with others, how to work with my family, how to give to others, and how to be in charge and organize. In the summer between my sophomore and junior years, um, I would um, run the high school, or run the dairy freeze. Um, I enjoyed it, and that gave my mom a chance to be at home. And Monine didn't like working at the dairy freeze. And so she had a, another job at the supermarket working in the meat department. But I liked to visit with people, and, and so I enjoyed it. So I took care of it for the summers before I went off to college. And as we know, she's got good business sense, and she's good with money, even though she says she's not. And so uh, well, that was quite a bit of responsibility for her to be able to run that place. Uh, I don't know if it was at this time, but your mom was working at the telephone office. Of course, your dad was Mm-mm. a carpenter. No, she didn't work at the telephone office till we sold oh, it. Oh, till you sold it. Till okay. we sold it, yep. All right, but still. But yeah, my dad always had another job. Um, anyway, so we started working at the dairy freeze before we were old and tall enough to see over the counter. We would um, say we would peel all the potatoes and pick out the pick up the yard we didn't have an indoor dining. People would just pull up and sit in their cars and eat. We did have a little couple picnic tables and a little spot of grass for the summer. But we would, um, believe it or not, people would pull in there, eat, and just dump their sacks out the window. So we would take care of that kind of stuff. But then when we got old enough to see over the counter and say, may I help you, we started working in the dairy freeze. Um, but I have lots of fun memories of peeling 100 pounds of potatoes every day. Real French fried potatoes. Oh, they were so good. And um, we'd make our own hamburger patties and make our own onion rings. And um, yeah, it, I, I enjoyed it. I have really good memories of the dairy freeze. How much did a burger cost? The burgers cost 25 cents. And we put chips in the bottom of the bag. And um, you could also get a milkshake for 25 cents and some fries. So you could get a hamburger, a shake, 
and fries, all for 75 cents or less. I think the fries were 15 cents. So anyway, uh, when I was in junior high, as I said, the school was right across the street. Uh, as with all my siblings, we had permission to leave five minutes early from class so we could get to the dairy freeze before the rush of kids would get there. And then we would eat our own lunches on the way back to school, and we were always about five minutes late. And uh, my friends always called me Dana Freeze. And I even did the same routine in high school, but I had to drive. And so I would get there a little bit later. But one of my great memories of the dairy freeze was uh, we were so busy at that time and mom was always frying the hamburgers. And one time she forgot to put the meat on one of my friend's hamburgers. And at the junior high school, we had a, um, oh, a section in our little school paper that said, what if? And one of the times it said, what if Ellen Nordfelt forgot to put the meat patty on that to does hamburger. Anyway, everybody thought that was hilarious. And mom was so <laughs> embarrassed that I think she probably gave that kid 10 more hamburgers to make up for. Um, after school, we'd go back to the dairy freeze and we'd work and we would do our homework there um, when it wasn't busy. And mom was so worried about us eating hamburgers every day that she would go home after we got there fixed dinner and always made sure that somebody brought us a home cooked meal. Um, but none of us ever got sick of hamburgers. And when we would go out of town and away and eat at restaurants, even I remember dad would take us to Sizzler and we'd all order this menu thing called one half pound ground round. I remember that. And all that was was a glorified hamburger. And Dad used to get so mad because that's all we would eat was hamburger. Um, let's see, we were all, I was very active. All my, my siblings were very active in school. And our parents always made it possible to attend all our practices and activities, which meant them working long hours at home and at the dairy freeze. And I feel really blessed to have had parents that cared and and loved us so much that they would allow us to do that. Um, they would close the dairy freeze every Friday night early so they could go to my brother's games. And when they, when... Um, Who's your brother? All three of my brothers. Oh, okay. Um, and they would wrestle or play football or basketball. But also, when they all graduated from high school, they would close early on Friday nights to come and watch us uh, perform in cheerleading or, or drill teams or whatever. And people couldn't believe that our parents would close our business to come and watch us. And, um, and the only thing I really ever had to miss because of work was just messing around. And I'm pretty sure that was their intent, was to keep us all out of no good mischief and trouble. Uh, I could go to sleepovers at my friend's house on Friday nights, but I was always the first one to leave on Saturday morning so I could go and open up the dairy freeze. And if I chose to stay awake all Friday night, I worked with no sleep, which, by the way, I often did. Um, 
I really do have a lot of fun memories of the Dairy Freeze and the people that worked for us. We always fed the full-time missionaries for free, of course. And at that time, we didn't have missionaries in Moab, or in Utah. The state of Utah did not have missionaries. But... Stake missionaries. If yeah. You, the stake did it. So yeah, the stake didn't, did it. didn't have regular missionaries in Utah. But Moab, for some reason, was included in the Denver, just down at the bottom corner of the Denver, Colorado Mission. So Moab always had full-time missionaries. And... Uh, some of them would take advantage and come and eat every day. Others would come and say, can we peel some potatoes or clean up the yard for some food? But, of course, we always fed them. Another fun memory I had is the barber, which is the one who actually made me decide to go to school, hair school, because I wanted to be a barber. But his name was Ned Neal, and he said, in in time, um, barbers... Um, our hairdressers are going to be able to cut men's hair. I know that sounds really strange and odd, but at the time I graduated from beauty school, men were not allowed to come into salons and get their hair cut. And so he told me to go to barber school, or to go to hair school instead of barber school, that it would open more options for me. But every single day, about 10 or 11, he would come up and get the largest drink we had, and he would say, I want a cup of Coke-flavored ice. And um, so I hope that was one of my memories I had of that. And him being the reason I went. Him and actually Aunt Glenda, because Aunt Glenda was a beautician also. But um, uh, one thing I remember also about the dairy freeze, I'm sorry, it was such a big part of my life, sorry. No, no, but, I think they're interested in this. <laughs> Take your time, sweetheart. Uh my dad was always getting after us to make things like hamburgers in a uniform, uh, consistent way and not how we liked them. Like my hamburgers always had lots of pickles and mustard and, um, and all my brothers and sisters the same. We all tr- kind of tried to make them that way. So we were told to put three pickles on, one and a half circles of mustard, Unless people ask for more or, you know, extra mustard, extra ketchup, extra onions, extra whatever. Then we we had to try and make them a certain way. And then Dad taught we the ice cream place where we'd make the shakes and sundaes and banana splits were out kind of in the front. And so people could see you make them. So uh, my dad taught us how to make a banana split without ever touching the banana. And... Um, I always thought I was cool. I still think I'm cool because I can do that. But I thought what was funny is about about that was we always touched the pickles to put them on the hamburgers. And we always touched the fries to put them in the fryer machine. But boy, we couldn't touch that banana out in front. So it was kind of fun. Uh, another fun re- memory I have is my mom came up with a slush recipe that she would make at home and freeze at home and bring down. And we would serve it in the summer. And we would pull out the slush and then put seven up over it. And she named it Canyon Lands Delight. And everybody loved it. And I still have the recipe for Canyon Lands Delight and have made it. I haven't for a long time, I should make it. But anyway, um, that and our real French fries and our real onion rings, 
were a big hit in Moab. And uh, in July 2007, uh, at our family reunion, Kurt, uh, Kurt and Craig and Dennis taught us or did the onion rings the way we used to make them at the Dairy Freeze, and it, that was fun. Okay, my mom and dad were so generous that they would always let people run, oh, I think I said that, run up a charge. And I remember the times uh, where they never did get paid. They're always taking ice cream and root beer, mom and dad were, um, as well as bags of hamburgers and fries to families in need. Um, we were closed on Sunday, and um, we tried at one time when my dad was sick and couldn't work to stay open on Sunday, and it didn't do us any good. We didn't make any more money, and my parents really missed the Sunday when we're, we were all home together. So that didn't last very long. Um, I remember the summers in Moab, we always had family, extended family come to visit, and we'd take them to all the beautiful sites. We were always picnicking. My mom was a great cook and a great hostess. She always made everyone have a good time. I realize now, of course, all the sacrifice and work she went through to do it, and lack of sleep. I also now understand why she may have been a little uptight at times. But I also understand now that she wanted to do it. It brought her joy to see her family and friends be happy and eat well. I feel I'm a lot like her in that way. It is a lot of work, but I want to do it. Somehow, I guess you need to work out a balance because I think my mom may have worked herself to death. Dad always enjoyed the company too. He loved those red mountains of Moab and showing them off. And um, just a side note on that, and that's what he always told us. When I die, because we always wondered whether he wanted to go back to Salina and be buried by his family. And he said, I want to be buried in Moab. On resurrection morning, I want to wake up and see those red mountains. Back to your mom. Uh, my first, some of my first memories of Ellen, when I first went down to Moab, is she would have a big, huge breakfast and uh, then at the end of breakfast, she would wash the dishes and begin preparing lunch. And then she would have a big lunch, wash the dishes, then start getting dinner ready. And just three huge meals. And she took a lot of pride in, in taking care of other people, kind of like her daughter. One time, Monine and Bill and Dad and I went down to Moab and Mom and Dad had gone out of town and weren't going to be back until late that night. And so anyway, we got down there. Of course, Monine and I weren't too concerned about Bill and your dad having much to eat. And about dinner time, when we decided we better rustle up some food, we sat down at the table and both your dad and Uncle Bill said, when's Ellen coming back? Because <laughs> they, they missed her food. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> All of us kids would swim every day but Sunday during the summer. We'd walk to the dairy freeze, peel the potatoes, then walk to the pool. We were all, honest and true, I have, we were all brown as Indians at the end of the summer. I'm not sure that's politically correct to Native say that. Native Americans. 
We were all just really tanned at the end of the summer. I remember forgetting um, at the time that they, oh, let's see, oh. Oh yeah, sometimes we would forget. At the time we called them thong, thongs, but now they're <laughs> flip-flops. Sometimes we would forget our flip-flops and we would run from one shady spot to the next, all the way down to the swimming pool, which was about a mile and a half from the dairy freeze or our house. All of us were good swimmers and we took life-saving. My brothers used to go to the river and help look for, um, this is kind of gruesome, but I just remember this being a part of my mom's stress. But they would call my brothers in to go look down at the river for bodies if somebody had drowned, which unfortunately did happen. Because at the Colorado River, they would have these little whirlpools. Undercurrents, Undercurrents. from whirlpools, yeah. and, and plus a lot of debris that people yeah. would get stuck in. And, but I remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table just in so much stress, wringing her hands till my dad would bring the boys home. Uh, I went to elementary school a block and a half up the street. It's torn down now, but it was called Southeast Elementary School. Ac I, across from the white church. Yeah, across <laughs> from the white church that my dad built. Well, my dad with help, but my dad built most of it for free. Um, I don't remember a lot about kindergarten except for the rugs that we took and rested on and had graham crackers and milk. But I remember my first grade teacher was Mrs. Maynard and she had long blonde hair that she pinned up into a bun. Ugh. Once she let us take the bun out and she showed us how long it was and she let us girls brush it. At the end of my first grade, Mrs. Maynard had a bunch of kittens to give away. And um, we had never had cats at our house before. We just had dogs. My wonderful, wonderful dog lady that was a cocker spaniel that we loved. But anyway, I begged and begged and begged for a kitten until they, they gave in. And I picked out an all-black kitten and I named it Licorice. And your Uncle Dennis was teasing me and said he was going to take that kitten out and run it over. Uncle Dennis is how much older than you? He's 10 years <clears throat> older than I am. And three days later, when he was taking Mom to the dairy freeze, he actually did just that. He was 16 or 17 years old, and he came in the house to tell me what he had done. And um, at the time, Dennis was alive, and of course he's passed away now about four, uh, this, yeah, I guess it was four years ago, last August, but um, anyway, it was not a very good memory for him for his whole life. And together he came in and we got a box and we put the little kitty in and with tears running down both our cheeks, he helped me bury my little kitty in the backyard. And um, that was at the 1st of June and my birthday, of course, is the 20th. And for the next couple weeks, he and my mom looked everywhere all over Moab, Monticello, LaSalle, for anyone that had a black kitten. And they never could find one, but they did find a kitten that was pure white. And so for my birthday, Dennis gave me a little white kitten that I named Marshmallow. And Marshmallow was supposed to be a boy, but it wasn't. And needless to say, we had 
some years with lots and lots of kittens around. Uh, once she had a, a whole batch of all white kittens. I remember my dad taking a video picture of us kids trying to round up all those kittens at the same time to hold still so we could get a still picture. And I think I still have that picture of all those kittens in my box. Uh, when I was in sixth grade or so, my mom had had enough of the kittens. And while I was at the dairy freeze peeling potatoes, she had someone take marshmallow to the pound to be put to sleep. And that just broke my heart into a billion pieces. Whoa, that doesn't sound like your mom at all. Uh, she must have been pretty oh, tired of them. She was so tired of kittens. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, I forgive you, Mom, but I will never forget. And I think my mom regretted that until the day she died, too. <laughs> she feels like it would have been better for her to explain to me what we had to do than to just do it. But anyway, I forgive her. Uh, one thing that that was a big part of my life, too, is now. It wasn't at the time, but in third grade, I woke up one morning and... Um, my mom set me up on the basin to do my hair for school, and I said, uh, "Mom, I my my hands hurt. I can't I can't really move my hands very good." And she thought I just didn't want to go to school. And then when I got she got me down, my legs buckled, and I couldn't stand on my legs. Anyway, that was the beginning of three days of all kinds of testing, and they tested me for multiple sclerosis and everything and they put me in the hospital and um i eventually got the use of my hands and legs back and for years we just had no idea really what that even was and um years and years and years later i wished i'd had the records of the tests and stuff because uh skipping to a long story short you all know or some of you know about the cavernous angiomas that my family has in their brains and um that's a story for a whole nother day too but um now the doctor figured I probably had a cavernous angioma that bled in my brain and um uh, it as the blood uh was oh, absorbed into my body then because that's what they do um then I was able to get my my feeling back. And then I didn't find out how many of those I really had until we were in Ohio on our mission and I had another MRI and I have a bunch of those in my head. Um, but they're small, so hopefully if they bleed, they won't do too much damage as they have done to some of the other members of my family. Another long story. Um... Also, when I was in third grade, we, for some reason, were telling the name of our parents. And I said, told the teacher that my dad's name was Charles Jr. Nordfelt. And she said, you mean Charles Nordfelt Jr.? And I said, no, his name is Charles Jr. 